You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Good morning. Welcome. If you're a guest, we are thrilled that you're here today. Um, And if you've heard as a guest that we're a bunch of imperfect people trying to live lives together and, and with Christ, that's absolutely true. And if you've heard we care about each other and the community around us, that's also true. And as you've seen, if you've heard we've got great music, once again, that's true. And you may have also heard that we have a great new minister who gives meaningful and relevant messages that connect with folks. Again, that is absolutely true. And I'm not him. (laughs) My name's Chris Sturgis, and I have title of elder here, but really what I have here is the joy of walking with Christ, living our lives together, and I can honestly say what a difference a year makes. So let me recap a little bit, partial 2019. December 2018, Tom Caffrey gives his letter of resignation. So at the beginning of 2019, we have a teaching team that's formed. It includes PD and James, Myself, Mike Dean did, Jason Helms did, much to his chagrin, he was pulled to do it and was fantastic. Chris Burcham did one. So we have people that are started to be taken out of their comfort zone, including myself, and deliver these messages. And then we have a search committee that's formed, and Lawrence Junker is put in charge of the search committee, and many of you are on that search committee. A search that PD said, he hoped would take a year or so. Do you ever ever have a friend who says something out loud and in your heart you're like, that's just not gonna happen? Well, PD said it would take a year or less. I've never been in a church where a search for a senior minister has taken less than a year. But nine months later, thanks to the work of the search committee, commitment to God, commitment to this church, the Bryces were here at First Christian. Now, during that time, the elders did something really terrible. We asked the youth sponsors to hang on for a little while longer because we were going to table a search for a youth minister until we had found a senior minister. And they had already been without a youth minister for 10 months. And God bless those youth sponsors. They said, okay, we'll do that. And they've done an amazing job. Folks, we have great kids at this church. And the thanks should go to their parents, but also to the sponsors that work with youth here. If you see a youth sponsor today after church, thank them. Hug them, take them to lunch, buy them a car, do something. (laughs) Because they've watched over a great group of kids, and it's made the youth better, but it's also made this church a better place. And I will tell you, we're getting close to a youth minister. Hopefully in the next couple weeks we'll have an announcement to make. But there is a light at the end of this tunnel. We also had a 117-day prayer initiative, a commitment by the church to pray for 117 days. And it's gone on even longer. It really is prayer discipline. And the number 117 days was random, the time between the announcement of the initiative and the National Day of Prayer just happened to be 117 days. 
And when the prayer team was trying to figure out how they could kind of make this work, somebody grabbed a Bible and said, how about Psalm 117? Remember when Psalm 117? Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. For a couple years, when Petey would put out the elder schedule for our meetings, there'd be a place at the bottom that says tabled items. And it almost got to be comical because Tim Neuenschwander's retirement was always a tabled item. And that's because Tim committed to sticking around and helping this church through until we got a new senior minister. And he stayed until Brady was on solid footing. And then Brady arrives and starts his ministry with his family here at first. And then Jimmy takes a leap of faith and becomes a full-time associate minister. And folks, as a minister's kid, I can tell you, that is a leap of faith. Marcy steps back from being an employee in the office or working in the office, but fortunately is still involved in FCC very, very much. So Jackie is hired to do the books. Sammy's hired to run the office and also the associate minister's life. And for those of you who don't know, they're married, so that's fine. Um, we had little babies being born. We had members join, and we had others that moved away. And we had dear members of our church who joined their heavenly family. And it would be impossible to address what happened here in 2019 without saying we had families that dealt with cancer. Shay Romero, who started 2019 with cancer, is now cancer-free. And out of her cancer came a gathering for prayer and healing services that has been a blessing to so many people, myself included. I almost felt guilty for how good I felt at the end of a prayer and healing service. And because of those services, I've witnessed a family whose faith is so strong and whose resolve is amazing. I've watched an amazing young woman with a strength and determination, a love and a belief in God battle cancer. And I'm able to stand up here and say today that a family I talked to and said hi to, I'm now able to say I love Shay and her family, and I hope in adversity I can show the strength and courage and belief in God that she has. There's another family, Marvin's family, the Pendergrasses, the Stoddards, the Loftus, the Condits, whose faith and strength has been just as amazing when the outcome wasn't what anyone wanted. Marvin is such a great example of how a Christian servant should be. Humble, caring, taking the time to make sure you're okay. We gathered to pray for Marvin. We prayed the same bold prayers, and yet the outcome was different. And while we know Marvin's with his heavenly father, we grieve his loss. But what a great example of a Christian servant. And Lawrence Garcia, kidney cancer. The biggest struggle initially for Lawrence was finding out exactly what was wrong. His back hurt. He tried to see doctors. He tried to get information. He couldn't get information. Well, maybe it spread to his liver. Maybe it hasn't. We just don't know. Finally, he got the information that they needed to take one kidney out. And they did. And it was a successful operation. He will have nephrology or kidney doctor appointments 
every four to six months for the next five years. There's a little tumor on his other kidney that they're going to keep an eye on, but it's benign. And they'll do blood work and imaging for the next four to five years. He'll meet in January with his surgical team and hope to be released back to work. The doctors told him four to six months. Well, January will be four months for Lawrence, so he's hoping January is released. Now, Trish's wife thinks it's going to be six months. And that has now become a hot topic of debate in their household. Four months or six months. But the thing this has done is brought us closer to God in that we pray, we beg, we cry out in joy and in sorrow to the one who makes everything. We've had other illnesses, other praises, tears cried in sadness and in joy. We've had a lot going on at first in 2019. What a difference a year can make. And for us as Christians, I'd like to take you through something that I found interesting. It's a year plus a bit that gives us the opportunity to come here and praise. It's a chronology of the last year of Jesus' ministry. And because my lovely wife told me to make this snappy today, I'm going to read this as quick as I can. <laughs> healing at the pool of Bethsaida on the Sabbath day, healing in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, in his name the Gentiles will trust. He appointed the twelve, the Sermon on the Mount, raises dead son at Nain. Are you the coming one? My yoke is easy, but my burden is light. The woman with the alabaster flask, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Teacher, we want to see a sign. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Parable of the fig tree. Parable of the sower. Many more parables. Jesus rebukes the storm. The herd of swine. He returns to Nazareth. Jerry's daughter and the woman who touches him. Healing the blind and the mute. He's moved with compassion for them. Sends the disciples out with power and authority. John the Baptist is beheaded. Disciples return. He feeds the 5,000. Walks on the sea. Declares he is the bread of life. Feeds 4,000. Heals blind man at Bethsaida. Tells disciples he must go to Jerusalem and be killed. He's transfigured. He rebukes a demon. Speaks again of his death. Miracle of the coin in the fish's mouth. Asked which one is the greatest. Sets his face to Jerusalem. Appoints 70 others. Heals ten lepers. Teaches in the tabernacle at the Feast of the Tabernacles. Parable of the Good Samaritan. Report from the seventy in the house of Mary and Martha. Teaches, teaches disciples to pray. Is almost stoned. Goes beyond the Jordan. Raises Lazarus from the dead. Declaration of Caiaphas. Takes the lowest seat. Count the cost. More parables. Prodigal son. Exposes hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The rich man and Lazarus. Teaches Pharisees about the coming kingdom. The Pharisee and the tax collector praying. Children come unto me, the rich young ruler, parable of the vineyard, again foretells his death. Can I sit at your right hand, blind Bartimaeus? Zacchaeus, parable of the minas. Mary anoints the feet of Jesus. Triumphal entry. Jesus enters the temple, drives out the vendors. Heals the blind and the lame. Teaches at the temple, withered fig tree, parable of the two sons, parable of the vine dressers, parable of the great supper, tested by Pharisees, Sadducees, and lawyers. Warns to beware of scribes and Pharisees. Certain poor water with prophecy from Isaiah about their blindness foretells the destruction of the temple, saw the city, and wept over it. Parable of ten virgins and the talents anointed with the flask of spikenard. Last Passover. Washes disciples' feet. Betrayer is with me. What you do, do quickly. Teaches about the Holy Spirit. Prayer in Gethsemane. Betrayed and taken the trial. Delivered to Pilate. Sent to Herod. Tried before Pilate. Mocked by soldiers. Led away to be crucified. Crucified Joseph of Arimathea. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He appears to Simon, 
and to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now that is some year. And because of that year, because of that sacrifice, we are here today to praise God and give him all the glory. And as we move forward into 2020, exciting things will happen for us at FCC. But we'll be tested, we will laugh, we will cry, and we'll be stretched as we move toward God. Today's scripture is from Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straight forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. And while there's some debate about where Paul was when he writes this letter of encouragement to the church in Philippi, he was likely in Rome under house arrest around 62 AD. The church in Philippi was special to Paul. It was the first church that he founded in Europe, and Lydia was the first convert there, where women continued a prominent role in that church as they do in this church 2,000 years later. Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi previously, and again, He's under house arrest as he writes this letter. And in his encouragement to the Philippians, Paul's message is just as relevant today. He emphasizes that he's not already perfect. Paul, as all of us do, still struggle. We live in a fallen world and still struggle. We all still sin. But the goal for us is to try and progress in our daily walk with Christ Jesus. We're straining reaching, trying to get to that goal. That goal or prize is the fullness of blessings and rewards in the age to come, especially being in perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ. The end of each year is always a time for reflection. And for a lot of us, goal setting or maybe even resolutions. What have we done? Where are we going? And if your car or your phone has a GPS system, it's easy. You just set your destination, and it'll tell you how to get there. The question we have to ask today is, do we know where we're going? Have we plugged into God's GPS? GPS is interesting because when you use it, you give it a destination, and it usually has a bunch of steps to get you out of your neighborhood and get started. But then there's a period where you're just going and going. And it's not doing anything, you just keep going. The GPS often doesn't say anything until you get close to the destination. And oftentimes with God's GPS, it's the same. In Proverbs, it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And as we strain and sometimes struggle through this life, we tell God we'd really like to know the destination, we'd like to see it. But God says he'll show you the steps. We won't know the destination that God's taking us on until we follow the steps. And isn't that really what faith is? We blindly step without knowing what God has in store for us. God's GPS and Paul's encouragement to the Philippians calls for us to take upward steps. God's calling us to move from where we are, and it's okay that we're all in different places to a higher level. That's what God asks us to do. 
And at the end of the year and beginning of a new year, we often do this in earthly ways too. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to lose weight. I don't mean to brag, at the start of 2019, I wanted to lose 10 pounds. And I'm just 20 pounds short of that goal. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to make more money. I'll get in shape, take better care of myself. Sometimes, though, in our walk with God, we need to step back and examine our lives. We need to see if there are things that we have in our lives that are hindering our walk with God. And we need to shed that weight. Are we hanging around the wrong people? Is my daily life at work an example and a glory to God? Are there things I need to loose myself from to become closer to God and get to our destination? And in addition to God's call for upward steps, he asks us to take forward steps as well. Are we taking forward steps spiritually in our lives? Or are we content to be stagnant? I'm going to reread today's scripture, but then add something from Exodus 14. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider it that I have made my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And from Exodus 14, is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through on dry ground. These two scriptures offer up three things that we must do to take steps forward. First, people who are stuck in the past cannot move forward. You know, the older I get, sometimes I find myself longing for the good old days or I find myself stuck in the past, sometimes because I can't forgive someone who's done something to me years ago, or worse yet sometimes for something that I'm not able to forgive myself for. And this is not the same thing as mourning a loss or grieving. That's natural, and it's a part of becoming whole again, but it can't become our whole lives of being stuck. We often look Paul actually says to forget the past, but a couple things may make us stuck there. We look back often with rose-colored glasses at yesteryears and think of them so endearingly that we long for the good old days rather than living in the present. I mean, how silly would it be for us to get in our car, program our destination, and the car of its own volition takes us to places we've already been? That's not a good GPS system. Ecclesiastes 7 reminds us Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. I mean, heck, songs are written about yesterdays all the time. The Beatles said that yesterday, all their troubles seemed so far away, how they longed for yesterday. If there's anybody who doesn't know who the Beatles are, Google it. Really cool, as I point to these folks. In reality, though, no matter how great those days were, or maybe weren't, greatest day in your life is today. We can't change the past even if we wanted to, but living in the present changes everything. 
Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can step forward. We might be frozen in the past, as I said before, as someone who's hurt us, and we can't forgive them, or maybe our life has been lived in such a way that we can't believe God could forgive us. We've made bad decisions, and we just won't open our hearts and our minds to a God that's so big that his grace says, I want you for my own. In Matthew 18, Peter comes up to Jesus and asks, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Jesus must just love Peter because Peter doesn't even wait for the answer. He just gives an answer. Typical Peter, he says, as many as seven times, there must have been a certain kind of laugh that Jesus had for Peter. Because as you go through the scriptures, he does this all the time. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus is saying, we need to live in the present and always forgive. Somebody done something to you, forgive them. They do it again, forgive them. Have you done something? Forgive yourself. Because remember what awaits us when we forgive ourselves, and it's illustrated so beautifully in the story of the prodigal son. A son that takes his inheritance, leaves, and lives about as bad a life as you could. Prostitutes, drugs, every bad thing that a person could do, he does. And at some point, when he's eating the slop with the pigs, he says, enough. I'm going home to the Father. I don't know what the Father is going to say, but I can't do this. I'm going home. He forgives himself, not knowing that the Father had long ago forgiven him. And when he comes down that road, not knowing what's about to happen, the Father runs and throws his arm around him. Because the broken son had come home. Folks, we need to forgive ourselves and to repent of our sins. Ask forgiveness from the Father. He's waiting to throw his arms around us today. And the second thing we learn is that we'll never see the greatest of our God by standing still. We will only see the greatest of our God when we step forward. No one has ever gotten to a destination by standing still. And if you notice the scripture from Exodus, they wouldn't have seen the greatest of God without moving forward. And the scripture actually says to move forward before the rod is lifted, before the sea is parted. God didn't tell Moses to part the sea, and then it would be okay for the people to go forward. He said, go forward, take that step, that leap of faith. And when they did that on faith alone, the greatness of God was revealed to them. And in my personal experience, God's greatness has often been revealed just because I took a step. When I gave my life to Christ and was baptized and try, and that's the key word, try to mature in my faith, without that I wouldn't be able to deal with life as it hits you every day, the temptations, the thoughts of sin. And I give in to those, like all of us do. But I know God has a plan for me and I know my final destination because God has told me. I guess what I'm trying to say is that for us to see the greatest of God as a church and individually, we need to move forward. And if you say, say you haven't seen the greatest of God at work or you haven't seen him do great things in your life, 
then today's the day to take that step forward. And the final point is not all steps are the same. Physical steps for some are difficult. For some of us, to get out of the car and to walk into the church, that's pretty easy. For others of us, we need to be dropped off by the door and to be helped inside. It's just a struggle physically. Paul talks about spiritual steps being a struggle for him, and honestly, they are for me as well. Sometimes for me to take a spiritual step takes all that I have. Spiritual steps can be hard. Paul says that when we take those spiritual steps, we must reach for them. He doesn't say they're right there. We must reach. We must strain for that glory of God. It's an action that he and we must take. And sometimes that reaching is hard. Have you ever gone to the store and something's way up on the top shelf and you strain and you reach and you can't quite get it? Well, most of the time we don't just leave it. We either ask someone for help or we find some way, you know, some other tool in the store to knock it down. If that spiritual step you're thinking about seems like too much work to do alone, look around this room. There are years decades, I would say even centuries of experience from others who have reached out for the same thing you're now reaching for. And more than that, God has given us this book, this study guide, if you will, this destination GPS instruction manual. And as a study guide, it implies that we study it. And it's also a love letter, a reminder to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. What a difference a year can make. A young woman is diagnosed with cancer. Her mother reaches out, takes a spiritual step, and asks, can there be a prayer service and a healing service? Not knowing what the outcome of the treatment or the service would be. The church has, by my account this year, had nine prayer and healing services for four different people. And my life and my journey has been changed forever by those services. Paul tells us that we need to step out of our comfort zones if we're to move forward with God. If you want God and his mighty power in your life, you're going to have to strain, or as Paul says, press forward. With God's GPS, it's the same. When we go off course, we get rerouted, just like in a car. If you go past the turn, you're automatically rerouted. If you're off course today, that's okay. You can be rerouted. You know, if you've never taken the step of giving your life to Christ and would like to do so today, we'd love to celebrate that with you. If you've got questions about Jesus, maybe this is your first introduction to him. Please see me or Jimmy or any other elder there are other elders here, raise their hand. We would love to talk to you about Jesus. And if you need rerouting, talk to God. If you need help, look around again. We have a room full of imperfect people with the same destination plugged into our godly GPS. Not the same journey, but the same destination. Talk to any one of us. And the prayer team, as always, will be in the back, if you just need to be prayed over today, 
And to those who went through 2019 here at FCC, thank you to everyone for your wisdom, your encouragement, your strength, smiles, hugs. And thank you to First Service for doing these, these fifth Sundays at 10.30. You change your, your schedule up so that we can all be together. And as I look out here today, I think it's wonderful that we can share a message and a service together. Folks, all of you have helped make my next step easier. Thanks be to God for all he's given us here in 2019. And for 2020, let us eagerly strain together towards the fulfillment of God's promises in this congregation, in this neighborhood, in this community, and throughout the world. And to remind us, using a familiar verse from Shay's service, and a verse I now start each day with, that no matter the circumstances, God is with us. From Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Father, thank you. You have blessed this church and this community. You have guided us. You have comforted us. Lord, I would ask that as we go forward, may we be strengths for each other. May we be comforters for each other. May there never be a day when anyone in this congregation, this community, feels alone. Got a hand outstretched from one who has been touched by you. May we be your light and your salt in this next year. May we touch this congregation. May we touch this community. May your grace, your light, and your love be known to everyone around us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.